What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. It's Jim Chapman, producer of Real Life, Real Crime, a podcast by Woody Everton. And before we get into today's episode. I first want to welcome all of you new listeners out there, and there are a ton of you out there. We are now the number one podcast in the entire world on Apple podcast charts in both the true crime category and the overall category. For Woody Everton, this has been something that was five years in the making. He is the voice that makes this machine go at Real Life Real Crime. And we want to welcome all of you that may be hearing Real Life Real Crime for the first time or for the second time. We want to welcome you and say welcome to the crew, baby. In today's episode, you're going to hear the background and what happened to Woody Everton during his investigation of the Courtney Coco case. The Courtney Coco case was solved through what Woody affectionately terms his lifers, as well as Woody. It was a cold case that he spent years fighting. He went through a lot of things that he kept from everyone in order to see that justice for Courtney was achieved. What you're going to hear today is graphic, it's real, and it's told by Woody in his own words, and he didn't hold back. When you hear the shit that he had to go through in order to finally see justice for Courtney, it'll amaze you. So it's my honor as producer of Real Life Real Crime to bring you this week's episode, War. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? Warning, 
This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode. This Patreon Convict episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And y'all, this one's been a long time coming. I actually already recorded this two nights ago, and the devil's got a fight, right? Uh, in four years, there's only been four times that I've recorded an episode. When I got done, it wasn't recorded. So what happens is I turn on all the equipment and everything, and I hit the record button. I have to wait five seconds, and you know I can see the timer running on the machine. And shit, I did it the other night. It went 57 minutes and 18 seconds. And when I got done, I had well, I actually started recording another episode on Courtney Coco's witnesses for the trial, and I realized that none of it recorded. So it's lost in space. So we're going to do it again. And the name of this episode is War. But I want to tell you something. You'll hear things that I've never told anybody, what's happened to me over the years when working Courtney Coco's case. And I could not have done it if it had not been for your support. Patreon and Convicts is absolutely essential to Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. So I love and appreciate each and every one of you. I'm sorry it's been a long time coming. Under a new format, so you'll get more regular bonus episodes, plus weekly releases. All right, war. I'm going to read you the definition. War is a state of hostility, conflict, or antagonism, or a struggle or competition between opposing forces for a particular end. Well, that's fitting, right? Warring, the verb, is to be in an active or vigorous conflict or to engage in warfare. So let's go back way back when, before I had the podcast and Miss Stephanie contacted me about, uh, actually the Tammy Goye, her, her first cousin, Tammy contacted me about Miss Stephanie. I contacted Miss Stephanie, you know, told her, give me the case file. I'll pick it up when I'm coming through Alexandria. Cause I'm always up North polygraphing her defense work, whatever. And I'll pick it up. I said, it's been more than 10 years. You tell them you want the whole case file, and they have to give it to you by Louisiana law. So she went and did that. And, of course, she said, I'm getting it for Woody Overton. And they promised her everything in the world. Uh, called me a quack and, and said, I don't know what I'm doing. And she doesn't need to bring me in. But I'll let them work. They're going to do a task force. All that good shit. Well, they didn't do it. Years go by. And, uh, as a matter of fact, they try to disprove it. They went to Texas and talked to Detective Rabelais, who I told y'all about, great guy, who actually worked Courtney's murder scene. And they stopped by and talked to him about the case, and then they went and got this blood, which that all come out during the 
courtroom testimony is going to blow your mind. But they get this blood and they took it and had to retest it by Dr. Stephen Norman, who is also one of the witnesses in the trial and a key point in the trial. And probably one of the key points this case was never prosecuted before Hugo Holland. But Dr. Norman's autopsy reports comes back and says he believes it's an it's a accidental overdose by drinking and tramadol or whatever, right? Well, she didn't take her body all the way to Winnie, Texas and leave it in the position it was in and all that. So anyway, it doesn't matter. I went in, uh, but I told Stephanie, I said, I'm going to do it on one condition. And that condition is that I get to do it on the podcast and I'll work it real time. She said, yes. So go in, drive in, uh, get a hotel room, you know, go to her house and do the recording. Uh, everybody knew it was coming. I re- recorded one episode before I got there and released it and go to Stephanie's house. And she records the cops on the phone line and saying they were working the case. Meanwhile, we had their family members telling family members that they didn't even know were family members recording Coco's that it was an accidental overdose. And the family wouldn't accept the facts of the case, blah, 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 blah. But, so I put that out on the podcast. I'm sure it pissed a lot of people off. But the fact that I was doing a podcast called Who Murdered Courtney Coco, well, think about it. If there's any one that it's the powers that be that are dirty, they certainly don't want me doing this podcast. If you're a murderer or you helped a murderer, you certainly don't want Woody Overton up there working, digging in this at the time, I think it was like 16 years old murder case. So, but I really wasn't worried about it. I mean, as soon as I dropped the first episode, I start getting threats. Okay. Like my phone number is not hard to find. You know, I had the polygraph business and the defense consultant business forever. And I was getting anonymous calls, you know, uh, we're going to fucking kill you. And, you're a bitch and whatever. Don't fucking come up to Alexandria, blah, blah, blah. We're going to get you, whatever. I wasn't worried about it, y'all. And you never heard me talk about these things, although I'm seen, sure you've seen some of them on Facebook over the years. But you never heard me talk about it because I don't worry about the people who say they're going to do shit because they never do. And they're just bitches hiding behind a phone or hiding behind a keyboard and all that. Um, so I go to Alexandria, and I get me a hotel room. Nice hotel, and I'm not going to tell you the place because it's not their, this one isn't their fault. And I had a, like a six-month-old, it was a brand-new truck, a 2018 uh, GMC extended cab, blah, 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 whatever. And I had been out working some leads on Courtney's case in the field. And I got back to the hotel after dark, and it um those hotels fill up with a lot of workers. I guess they were contract workers. I don't know. But I had to park like on the outskirts of the parking lot. And I'm not going to tell you where it's at. But no big deal, right? I get my shit. I go inside. Next morning, I got a meeting. That, um, I think it was like a 10 o'clock meeting. And so I get up and have my coffee. And I go outside to go get in my truck. And I walk up to the truck. And I notice a perfect bullet hole in my driver's side rear passenger window. Now, a truck, you know, the 10 on it, I'm sure it was a little bit illegal. And that glass is made to, like, not 
anti-shatter or whatever, but you could, it was, you could see the bullet hole and I have pictures, um, but I'll, I'll post up for y'all, but you could see the hole in the middle of the window. You could see that the glass was spidered. I'm like, fuck man. And then I started thinking, well, fuck, I need to see if the bullet tore up the inside of my truck. So I opened that door. And when I did all that, not all of it, a lot of the glass collapsed and fell inside of my truck and on the ground and on me. And I'm like, fuck, uh, um, you know, they got me right. But I look inside the truck. I can't find, the, uh, you know, where the bullet is or, or if it went, actually made penetration. I don't know. To this day, I don't know what happened to that. But I got glass all over the backseat of my truck. I had still had hanging clothes on that side. Maybe they went into clothes. I don't know. I had hanging clothes on that side. Um, and now I got glass everywhere. And I had to cancel my meeting. And then I'm like, I'm in an oh fuck mode. They shot my truck, right? Guess what I didn't do? I didn't call Alexander Police Department and make a report. Why? Because at this point, everybody's a suspect but me. And fuck me up. You know, I did not make an insurance claim. I had to I had to find a glass place out of Alexandria because I'm you know, I know that they know that I gotta get my glass replaced, so I'm gonna be a sitting duck there or having them drive by laughing at me or whatever. So I found me a place about an hour away and I spent the whole fucking day. I had to cancel my appointments and spent the day um, getting the window replaced and getting the glass out of my truck. And I had, I had a real case of the red ass, to be honest with you. Now I'm more determined than ever that, uh, I mean, you know what? I might've been like a week, maybe two weeks into the case. Uh, I had been in Alexandria for a bit, for a minute. And, Ship was picking up, and I knew things were getting good, and evidently somebody else knew it was getting good too, so they shoot the wind out of my truck. I did not tell my wife uh, because I knew what she would say. She'd say, get your ass home, right? And I was going to solve Courtney's case. So what I did do was uh, I told the family and they got me a cabin in the woods that's not even on a GPS outside of Alexandria and it was a little bitty uh, one room cabin with a little twin bed and a little ice box and, and a toilet basically but it was in the woods and, and so I knew I was safe there um, I went and got a rental car and, and I continued my work weekly I'm dropping episodes now remember in three weeks it went from being on the uh, what do you call that thing? Not the most wanted, but um, it, whatever. It's cold case file. What's it? Crime Stoppers. Went on for Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office. Crime Stoppers. A cold case list. I think there was like 10 of them. To being actively worked as a homicide. Right? And so I continue to work it. And I'm getting threats daily. But guess what? I'm strapped. You know, if I'm, my head's on a swivel now, I'm I'm on the lookout. I'm aware. If they'd have rolled up on me, or somebody that came up with me, it'd have been a gun battle, and it'd be to this day. If I'm in Alexandria and you roll up on me, you better believe I'm looking, and we're gonna have somebody's gonna spring a leak. Hopefully, my years of experience and SWAT and everything else, I'm gonna draw quicker than you, and I'm gonna put a bullet in your head. 
doesn't matter, right? Six weeks, give it back to APD. The case, I knew who did it. And uh, David Anthony Burns did it, and I knew this, and I gave all the evidence back to APD. Well, I had to. People were pissed when I did that, but fuck, I can only work it so far. They got to bring it home. Give it back and props to Tanner Dryden for actually working the case and all that. But my shit, I, I never stopped dropping the episodes. And I think I did like eight at that um, by that time. And then Philip Terrell, the DA, brought the family in, minus me, because he's no, no fan of Woody Overton. I don't give a fuck, right? Um, well, let me back up. So I've got six weeks now, boots on the ground away from my business, away, away from my family, spending money, which came from y'all, uh, uh, my supporters, and work the case. Handed it over. They work it. Philip Terrell calls the family, and I think it was like in October or something. And he tells them, and they're witnesses to this, he tells them, we know who killed Courtney, and we're going to be making an arrest within two weeks. Great, right? And y'all, meanwhile, I'm still, you know, intermittently getting threats, whatever. So time goes by two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. And Miss Stephanie called and she's like, Woody, Philip Terrell won't even take my phone calls for weeks now. And I'm wanting to know about the case, about the rest. And he won't even return my phone calls. And I'm like, fuck, it's still March. So we went up. It was super cold that day. I drove back on my own dime or y'all's dime. And we went and we did a a protest outside the courthouse right underneath Phil Terrell's window. And Stephanie called him while we were down there. And his office says he happens to be out at a funeral that day. Didn't do dick about it. Never, never called Stephanie back. Um, I think they interviewed him on the news that night, and he was like, and they asked about the podcast, and he just ignored it, right? Oh, well, whatever. So that was another trip up. Fast forward several months. I, I, yeah, like April, May, whenever it was. And I wake up, and I'm at Captain Duvall's um, going fishing that morning. My son's at Captain Duvall's Cajun Charters down in Delacroix. And I get up, and I got all these messages. So that's what I played on the episode two weeks ago and it's David Anthony Burns making all the threats Mr. Woody I'm coming for your wallet and photoshoppies and you know it's federal marshalists and you did this blah blah whatever fuck right all that shit what I wasn't worried about because like I said in the past episode I already knew the grand jury was going to happen so I drive back The I think it was like a week and a half later to and I stay at the, the hotel it's a nice hotel downtown uh but I, I go in a different truck another one of my trucks and but I, I really wasn't worried i'd never parked in their hotel parking lot i always parked on the street on the side street and i was waiting on the rest uh, um but i'm thinking everything's gonna be copacetic and fine and then they did it they came out and they arrested him grand jury indicted him they arrested him what i didn't do y'all was uh I, let, I always keep my real-life real crime hats on my dashboard. And when I go out of town, just like the truck they shot the window out of, I leave real-life real, real crime shirts hanging. I'm thinking, this fucker's in jail. Nothing's going to happen to me, right? And they lock him up. 
and you know the family did a press release thanking me, whatever. And now the haters are really blowing up, saying, "Oh, you know, Woody Overton wanted this ten minutes of fame." Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I wanted to get rich off this case, which I, I never did. And I, but you know what? Fuck it. I think I'm good. So I, I'll never forget this. It was fr- it was a Friday, and I go and I get in the truck. Probably it's about a three and a half hour drive from where we were living at the time, you know, because of, uh, it doesn't matter. But I get in the truck, I crank it, and I drive it all the way to my house. Now, when I get there, my wife would call me. She said, look, I got to take the puppies to the vet. And and we raised English Springer Spaniels, and one of them had a litter, and they need their, whatever, do claws removed and shots. I don't know what the fuck. And she said, but I need to use a truck. I said, that's fine, she, because of the dog hair and what have you. I said, that's fine. So I pull up to the residence. It was storming. It was a Friday afternoon, and I helped her load the dogs and my son, and they take off. No big deal. I take my nap, and which I did every time I get in from Alexandria, but I put my phone on airplane mode, do not disturb. And I wake up hour and a half later, turn my phone on, and I got a bunch of messages from my wife. So I call her. I said, what's up? And she said, I'm at the vet's office. Now it's like 530, all the vet's closed. She said, I'm at the vet's office, and the truck won't start. I said, what do you mean it won't start? I said, this is like a brand-new truck. It's got like you know, not even 10,000 miles or something on it. She said, it won't start. I said, I don't understand that. She said, the vet, who's a friend of ours, had tried to jump it off. She said the lights come on and everything, but it just won't start. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And the, I mean, then I caught the red ass. Uh, but I had to drive the vet's office like 30 minutes away and it's storming. I called Chase Tyler, the Chase Tyler band, who's one of his biggest sponsors is Jerry Lane Chevrolet out of Baton Rouge. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm not fucking with that truck. If, if it won't start and it's got that few miles on it, I'm going to get me another truck. I'm just not going to deal with it. So I called Chase to call Jerry Lane for me. He called and he said, hey, the owner is now the original owner's grandson. He's in Austin, but he's going to be calling you. And so he called me and said, how can I help you, Woody? And I told him, I said, I want I want a truck. He said, what do you want? I said, I want the biggest, baddest one you got on the lot. He said, I'm going to call him. You can pick it up tomorrow. No worries. Get to the vet place, and I tried to jump it off the truck. Now, look, the hood's up. The lights on underneath the hood. You can there's lights on inside the car, inside the cab of the truck. Some bitch wouldn't start. And I mean it is pouring down rain and I got the case of the red ass. But just because my new trucks broke. So we called roadside assistance and they were coming, but there was a lot of wrecks and blah blah blah. And they said we could leave it there. And they told me to the place in Zachary, Louisiana, where they would be taking it the next morning or that day. And so we go home, uh, the next day when I get up and did some stuff. Oh, no, no I called the uh, place that was fixing the truck. And they're like, dude, there's no truck here like that. I'm like, what do you mean? And so I call the tow truck company, and I can't get them. And something I might have to report my truck stolen. Like, I don't even know where it's at. It was supposed to be dropped off the night before. Long story short, 
it was afternoon time. The tow truck company called me back and said they had they had dropped it off. And I, uh, I'm like, cool, whatever. So I'm getting my wife to take me to Baton Rouge. I'm going to get go get my new truck, and she did. She took me to uh, Jerry Lane, and right before we got to Jerry Lane, the place in Zachary called. Now this is on a Saturday. That uh, this repair shop that was sanctioned to do the work or whatever. I don't know on the vehicle. They called and they said, Mr. Woody. I said, yeah. And they said, your truck's ready. I'm like, what do you mean it's ready? I'm thinking maybe it was a starter or something. He said, it's ready. I said, was it a starter? And they said, no. Uh, I'm explain to you when you get here. I said, well, I'm not coming. I'm going to send my wife by and then we'll pick the truck up. I'll pick, I'm getting a new truck and I'll pick her up and we'll leave the other vehicle there or whatever. So, I go in, do the paperwork, Jerry Lane's, it's painless, great people, best people in the world, had my shit ready. I did a little bit of test drive and signed my shit, and I'm leaving. Wife calls. She said, Woody. I said, what? She said, the mechanic said, the owner of the shop said, all the wires were ripped out in that truck. I said, what do you mean? She said, he said, somebody reached up underneath the truck and grabbed a handful of wires and ripped them all out. I said, it doesn't make any sense. I said, that could have not bounced out going down the road or something. I said, I drove it all the way back from Alexandria. It started for me and it ran. She said, he said it was a miracle that you were able to start the truck. And he said that one wire must've been barely hanging or whatever, but it wasn't hanging when it got there and he could see now y'all, I'm not a mechanic. This is the guy's words. He could see where someone reached in scrunched all the wires together and ripped them out. I guess they thought I wasn't going to get home or whatever, and God let me get home. Now I already know, right? I left my RRC shit visible in the vehicle. They see the the vehicle. Somebody brazen enough, I, I guess at nighttime, reached underneath and ripped whatever wires and cost me some more money, whatever. Uh, um, it's war, Right. It's just an ongoing nonstop, and it had been for you know a year, two years, however long it had been. It's just an ongoing nonstop threats and whatever. Uh, you know, we went for I'll never forget this. Went for Burns's original arraignment, and we get there, and Miss Stephanie's husband, Mister Bobby, and um, he said, "Man, one of my friends showed me. He's a super cool guy." He said. Stephen, it's uh, Courtney's stepdad and raised her since she was like eight. They loved her to death. He said, one of my friends showed me a Facebook post on Burns's people's page or I don't know, whatever page. And, and it said that, you know, you a bitch and you a hoe. And I'm like, yeah, I get that all the time. And he said, uh, one of them said they were going to throat punch you. They said, now listen, every time I did an episode and I did an episode about him getting arrested, that, um, the I always told them because I've been getting the threats. I never told you all this, and I wasn't going to give them satisfaction. And I always said, "Hey, bitches, I'm, you heard me say it on the past podcast, bitches. I'm going to be at the courthouse. This is exactly where I'm going to be. What time? Show the fuck up, right?" He said, "Yeah." One of them said they're going to throat show up and throat punch you. I'm like, "Well, fucking here I am." Uh, but they didn't do it. But they got my truck, so it cost me just a couple, couple hundred dollars. All they had to do basically was replace a couple of wires and plug, plug the rest of them back in. Again, I'm not a mechanic. I don't, I don't know how that works. But they fixed that truck, which we ended up getting rid of anyway. So, but another battle in the war. All right. Time goes on. 
the constant threats come, whatever. Every time I go to Alexandria now, I go, uh, or since then, since that time when the wires got ripped, I would go in a vehicle that wasn't registered to me, stay at the same hotel, uh, make sure nobody was following me. You know, I would walk the, it was about four blocks from the courthouse, this hotel is, and I would walk the back streets and, and you know, head on a swivel, right? Once again, I'm alert, I'm aware, and, in case somebody wants to roll up on me, the ones who don't talk never happened. But, you know, the threats came and whatever. Um, went to all the hearings. Y'all's dying, right? I mean, I, I paid for it, certainly. I was away from family and business and everything else. But shit, man, I, mean, I bet we made 13 hearings. Uh, uh, I read them all in that that other episode. But at least that many times. And you're figuring two nights in a hotel, Three and a half hours one way, so like seven hours of driving. That's gas, right? Got to eat, uh, hotels, and now, you know, having to hide and swap vehicles, whatever the fuck. I don't care. We're going to get justice for Courtney Coco. They can do whatever they want to, and they did it. No big deal. Come time for the trial, well, old Woody got a little bit brazen again, if you will. He's locked up. I'm not worried about it. Uh, oh, my, my hotel that it, where the wires got ripped in the truck. Like I said, it's it's my favorite hotel in Alexandria. It's not their fault. Uh, it's my fault because I left my shit where they, you know, could know it was at least a real life real crime fan. But had but had all the shit in there, and had the sticker on it too. That was stupid on my part. Um, but a great hotel. But I, I called them. When I'm going back for the trial week. It's supposed to be like ten or eleven days, and they're booked up. And like they, I could have got like two days and I'd had to move to another hotel and shit like that. And I didn't like that. Cause I, you know, now I got to drive to the courthouse and all that stuff, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But I got, I got a hotel room and I'm going to tell you this motherfucker. I'm going to read it to you. I want everybody in the world to know this. And I'm suing the shit out of them by the way. So it's the, I got a hotel at the Fairfield Inn in Alexandria. The Fair, Fairfield Inn and Suites. Uh, I think y'all have some Marriott property. I'm not sure on that though. But the, um, it's at 2830 South MacArthur Drive, Alexandria, Louisiana, 71301. Okay. So the I get a room. And I think I booked it originally for like five nights or something. Now, you know hotels are not supposed to give out your personal information. Right, what room you're in, stuff like that. I mean, it's just the fucking rule. So we go to court. I think uh, I got there on Sunday. We go to court on Monday and uh, watch them excuse jurors and all that stuff. And I think it was Monday or Tuesday. It does. Maybe it was Tuesday. Anyway, I have the date. And, uh, but the they excused court early for some reason or told us. Oh no, let me back up the. It was the first day, and they told us to come back at like one thirty or something. They weren't going to let us in the courtroom. We got in, blah, blah, blah. They were going to go in through the jury pool motion. Then they had some kind of motions. They were um, daubered or something that they wanted to hear uh, like at one thirty in front of the judge. And so they, they broke for like two hours. Uh, and I was like, fuck that. I'm going to my room and take a nap, right? And I get to my room. Now, let me back up. When I get a ring... I never have them clean it the first day, period. I just don't. It's the way I roll. I'll go in, put a suitcase, always get double beds, put a suitcase on one bed, hang my shit up in the closet. Now, this one, y'all, 
An 11-day trip, I had fucking everything. I mean, I had like four trips to get all my shit unloaded. So I got a room right across from the elevator on the second floor, um, loading all my recording equipment, fucking clothes and court clothes and, you know, whatever the fuck, everything in four trips. So I get it, and when I leave that morning to go to court, I told him, I said, listen, I do not have a do not disturb sign in my room, right? And, and I said, can I get one? I'll run back up there and put it on there so the maids don't have to go in there and clean it up. And they were like, oh, no, uh, we don't have any up here, but we'll put you on the list to not have your room clean. won't bother you. I said, fine, whatever. And so I went to go to court, and then court lets out early. we got to be back that afternoon. I'm like, shit, I'm going to run in, give me a little nap, because I didn't sleep much the night before. I was a little fired up about court. And I go in. Ladies right at the front desk and uh, whatever, go upstairs. And it's like 11 o'clock, something like that. And I immediately get undressed. I put my fan, uh, phone on do not disturb airplane mode. I turn my fan noise on and I lay down and I go to sleep. And no sooner than I go to sleep and I hear pop, pop on the door. I'm like, go away. I don't want any. Now, keep in mind, I don't I don't have the do not disturb sign, but they're supposed to handle this downstairs for me. They banged on the door like four times. I kept saying, go. And finally, I said, get the fuck away. I don't want any, right? I'm pissed. I'm trying to sleep, trying to get my little army nap in. And so the knocking stops. I get up. I had my alarm set and turn my phone off airplane mode. Well, it turns out it was Stephanie, Miss Courtney's mama, her Aunt Lynn, her Aunt Michelle, and I think uh, her first cousin, Tammy Goye. They had gone to Walmart on that break and bought me a basket full of goodies, like snacks and shit. And they go to the hotel, and they go to the, oh they can't, they go go to the front desk and say, hey, what room is Woody Overton in? We want to bring him this gift gift basket. Fuck, they gave him my room number. I thought it was housekeeping, and I couldn't understand why they didn't try to open the door, even though I, I do that little lock thing, that, that little extension lock when I'm in the room. They gave him my fucking room number, and they were like, Miss Stephanie called and said. Yeah, um, we were trying to get you a gift basket and you didn't come to the door and we left it on the thing and then whatever. I go back and I meet them, y'all, and Stephanie's like, you know, I worked at a hotel for a long time. They're not supposed to give you your room, your room number out. I'm thinking, I fucking wish they wouldn't. I'm still in Alexander. I'm not in the safety zone, right? Like, I think it was that morning in court uh, um, when it was just us. Yeah, it was that morning. We were in the back and – David Anthony Burns' sisters in the front. I talked about this on last week's episode, and I'm, t- I'm scribbling, taking notes. My head's down. I hear Stephanie say, turn your ass around. Bitch, <laughs> something like that. I'll beat your ass. Something like that. And I was like, Stephanie, you can't do that. And and I'm looking up, and I see that lady turn around, and um, Stephanie's like, Woody, she kept turning around and pointing at you the whole time. And she did it like four times. And she said, I'm, you know, basically, she was mama bearing for me. So it goes to show you, I mean, the rest of the David, David Anthony Burns is in the courtroom while this is going on, but this is his lone supporter that was there uh, just before the trial started during jury selection. But whatever the fuck, I'm used to this. I know these people don't like me, all right? I know they blame me for David Anthony Burns being in fucking jail and now going to prison for the rest of his life. Well, guess what? And then I know, you know, like he said on his Facebook Live, he pays five people to watch my podcast. Motherfucker, you don't watch a podcast, by the way. You listen to it. And uh, I know some, one of them is in this Patreon or Convict, whatever, and they're listening to this. I don't give a 
fuck, go fuck yourselves. I did not kill Courtney Coco. I did not make David Anthony Burns kill Courtney Coco. Okay. Only thing I did was work the case like it should have been worked from the beginning. So back to it. Uh, the next morning when I leave, I want my room clean. Now I've got two days of my room being dirty. I got pizza boxes and I got, you know, used coffee cups and shit like that. Now I don't, the, the, and I have videos of all this, y'all, and we'll post it. But the when I leave, when I get up in the morning, I kick my covers down. I don't make my fucking bed. I'm not. I'm in a hotel, and I'm gonna have them clean my room that day, change my sheets, and you know, I eat pizza in the bed the night before. I might have some crumbs, whatever. I get my coffee cups gone, my empty soda cans, and what have you. So I get dressed, boom, boom, going to court. On my way out, uh, uh, I told the lady at the front desk, I said it. I, I want my room clean today. I'm going to be in court all day, blah, 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 whatever. So I go, I go to court. And, and I mean, come, I expect to come back, have my shit just cleaned up. The, you know, I had towels on the floor, shit like that, whatever. doesn't matter. Two days, three days, however long it was, and me being dirty in a hotel room, me being a solo man in a hotel room, crashing out, eating, chilling out, whatever. The, um, after court, we went to Logan's, which is right in the parking lot next to this hotel. This hotel is kind of funny. You have to drive past Logan's, and there's only one way in. I mean, you have to turn in. You would think it, the Panda Express or whatever is in the front. You would think it's just this big, massive parking lot you can drive through, like from Panda Express and Logan's, but you can't. It's it's blocked off. I mean, literally, by, it's curbed off. It only has one way in, one way out. And I go to court. Afterwards, we went to Logan's and got something to eat. And we hung out for a few minutes, me, Miss Stephanie, Tammy, uh, Lynn, and Michelle. And I order my food to go, right? And they leave, and I get my food. Now it's dark. Um, court ran late. I don't think we got out of there to six something or whatever. By the time we got the food and hung out for a few minutes, it's dark. I got my shit. I walk past the front desk, a uh, little white young girl. I say young, but not that young. She's probably in her 30s or 40s. Is behind the desk, whatever. I go in, go up to my room, get off on second floor, open the door to the room, and I walk in. The first thing I notice is my bed's made up, but it's not made up. I'm, I'm looking across the room, right? I open suitcases on the first bed. I look to my right. I got pizza boxes left from the night before and the food box from the night before that or whatever. I look at my, my bed that I sleep in. It's got the covers pulled up, but there's like big lumps and shit in it. I mean, like half-ass attempt. Like if I'd have done that, I could have just pulled it up for a second, not worried about it. But I, I don't do that because I'm ex-military and I hate to make a fucking bed. So, but I mean, the bed's not made, but it should rump up. I'm not thinking about it. But I immediately look to the left in the bathroom and there is a stack of towels Obviously, been brought in that day. They're they're on in between the bathroom door and the sink, halfway hanging over the counter, like they're teetering, right? They and the place there haphazardly. I'm like, that's fucking strange. And I see the coffee cups and pizza box. I'm thinking, what the fuck? Maybe they came in and they got busy. Whatever. Fuck, I don't know. They, they certainly didn't clean the room. I'm not worried about it. I'm starving, I'm tired, and I'm you know whatever. So I get undressed. And I get my wings, and I go to get in my bed and watch my iPad. I, I pull back the bed cover, and right where the fucking pillow meets 
uh, just where the blankets were barely covering it, right where the pillow meets the bed is a massive wad of pubic hair. And y'all, I'm talking about like baseball size, okay? And it's it's a big clump. It's all stuck together. I'm not talking about one. I'm not talking about 500. I'm talking about like a thousand of them or more. And it's it's there. And I'm like, what the fuck? And 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 I was like, I wasn't even thinking. I kind of went into freak out mode. And I, I just I was like, this is fucking nasty. And I grabbed the shit and I ran to the bathroom. I threw it in the toilet. And then I started, I looked at it. And I'm thinking, fuck, I don't have that much hair in my entire body, right? And I mean, I keep my beard trim and shit. I'm like, what the fuck? And then it dawns on me. I'm looking at those towels haphazardly on the corner. I'm like, fuck, somebody's been in my room. They did that shit to me. And I go back to the bed, and, and I mean, again, it's not me. I just barely pulled the covers back, but it's got the big lumps in it and shit, so the sheets were still never fucked with or anything like that, and they're all pushed down. I'm looking at the bed, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, somebody came in here and fucking shaved their – or. Maybe they did it outside and brought it in. I don't know, but they put a wad, and I mean a baseball fucking size wad of I don't, dick hair or vagina hair. I don't know what it was, male or female, and they put it right there in the center of my shit. So when I unfucking rolled it back, there it was, and I freaked out. I wasn't even thinking. I was just like, my brain is not fucking comprehending that this shit. Like I was like, does this shit come out of my fucking head or something? That's, and I was like, this is nasty, and went through it in the toilet. And then I'm, I'm back, and now I'm fucking starting to think. And I'm like, fuck, somebody's been in my fucking room. And in, I see the towels and everything. I'm like, fuck, I call the front desk. I said, send me to the manager. She said, well, I don't have a manager. It's just me. I said, well, you need to fucking come to my room, 223, whatever the fuck it was. And she came up, and I said, and I showed her the wad, and it was much bitch, bigger in the picture and I'll explain that in a minute. I showed her the water shit and the uh, the water of the pubic hairs in the toilet. I said, and this came from right here. I said, you see how my bed is not fucking made? I said, you see this trash in the room? I said, somebody came in here and put a wide. And again, I'm not underestimating the size, y'all. I said, a fucking baseball size wide of pubic hairs in my bed. And she was like, what you want me to do about it? I said, well, fuck. I mean, I, I need to do something. And she was like, well, I'll go call my manager. And so she went to call her manager. I said, you know what? I said, fuck you. I'm calling the police. And so I did. I got on the phone and I called Alexandria Police Department's nine um, emergency number. I said, I need an officer to make a report at the, where the fuck it was at? Uh, let me look it up again. Fairfield Inn Suites in Alexandria by Logan's. And they were like, what's the issue? I said, somebody broke into my fucking room and left body hairs on my shit, right? Send an officer. I need to make a report. So they said, they said they would. I Meanwhile, I'll call my wife and I'm like, I am fucking livid. Okay. Um, and I tell her and I have to tell her and she's already scared every time I go to Alexandria, but she didn't know about, about the truck being my window being shot out. She damn well knew about the threats over the years. And I'm sure she got she read them on Facebook and different texts and shit like that. She knew about the wires being ripped out of the truck. The mechanic told her, not me. Um, but I had to tell her. And, I mean, I was fucking, I was almost crying mad. I was fucking furious. I mean, I really felt violated, right? And now the the little girl, let's say little girl, the lady comes back up and knocks on the door and I open it up. And I videotaped everything. And the, the shit's still in the toilet. Uh, and I've taken pictures of it. And... 
She said, well, I told my manager about it, and uh, there's nothing we can do for you. I said, what the fuck you mean there's nothing you can do for me? She said, I can change the sheets if you want me to. I said, well, fuck, the sheets should have been changed today, right? And I said, I said fuck you. And I already called the police, and I'm waiting on my police report, and, and she leaves. Now I got to find a new hotel room. Fucking wasn't going to be in Alexandria, Louisiana, right? Because I'm now I'm in my big truck, and obviously that – Obviously, somebody gave out my room number. Somebody got a fucking room key, and I had the only room key, and I only get one. I, I didn't give enough room key to anybody, and somebody broke in and did my shit. Now, Alexandra PD gets there. They knock on the door. I'm videotaping. I'm fucking trying to find another hotel. All this shit's going through, and I got the flying fucking red ass. And this young black officer, was female, uh, she said, she had like a deadpan look on her face like she couldn't give a fuck. I said, I need you to come in here and see this shit. She said, I'm not going in there. She said, what's the problem? And I said, the problem is somebody broke into my room and left a baseball size pubic hair on my pillow and pulled the cover up to where I'd see it. I said, I know they've been in and it had to be somebody posing as housekeeping or whatever because I got the towels stacked on the corner and the Whatever. I tried to tell her, and I said, listen, I was getting no love from her. She said, well, I ain't going in there. And she said, you got a picture? I said, you fucking right. I got a picture. So she said, let me see. And I showed her the massive hair. Uh, yeah, when I first put it in the toilet, it was like, it was uh, kind of at the top of the thing, but it was so heavy, it sunk down into that hole. You know what I'm talking about? The, where the, the shit goes out. And but I showed it to her, and she's like, what do, you, what do you want? I said, I want a file number. She said, but you better get a file number on this. I said, you better fucking call somebody. Y'all, I'm paraphrasing because I was fucking livid. And her attitude made me more pissed off. I said, you better fucking call somebody. I want a fucking file number. And that's your fucking job. Get me a file number, right? I know what your fucking job is. I, I did it and, and used to train people. And that little ho- hotel lady standing right there, whatever, never came in my room. Finally, force the file number out of her, whatever, and she leaves. Now, I'm fucking beyond pissed. And I'd already up my hotel for more nights, okay? Because I was trying to, I didn't know how long the, I, he was going to take a plea or whatever. So I had extended. I fucking already paid for this for however many more nights. And I, so I had to find another hotel. I get a load of my shit. I go downstairs, walk out the hotel, and it's got an overhang in somewhat small parking lot. And my truck's parked over to the left. I look to the right, that entrance I told you about, you got to drive by this motherfucker. APD units parked there. And they're like, like they're watching me, right? I go across, and I'm not being paranoid. I'm telling you what the fuck was happening. I go to my truck. I put the load of shit in my truck. I pull my truck around, parking underneath the thing, right blocking God and everybody, because I don't give a fuck. I got the red ass, right? I go upstairs, get another armload of shit. I come down, two APD units, park now watching me and I go back up get my third load of shit come back down three APD units but now I'm and they're standing outside the cars and shit and I got a video and and I am fucking livid and I said yes right and and I started video and uh this I said that's right you I want I'm, I'm saying out loud right challenging without challenge I said I want somebody to fucking stop me when I pull out of this parking lot because then it'll be an illegal stop and then I have a right to resist 14108 resisting an officer it's not bad if if it's fruit of the poisonous tree if you stop me bad then I have a right to fight 
I'm fucking, and then, then I, so I'm video, and I'm on the phone with Cindy. She's like, you got to shut the fuck up. They're going to fucking kill you. I said, well, they're going to shoot me in that hotel parking lot? And then I'm like, ooh, fuck. They could, right? I said, well, you know what? If they fucking kill me, it'll be on camera. And meanwhile, we're trying to call my attorney and everything. And it's the one night. He's the best guy in the world, and he's there. And and he had driven in from Dallas. He had been up for like 27 hours, and he was unavailable. So I went up for my last load of shit, y'all. And I came down and loaded up. I put the camera on. I'm on the phone with my wife. I, well, one thing I told her was, do not call him. Uh, Shane McBride in Wisconsin because he'll hire a private jet and be here in a couple hours and there's nothing he can do. There's nothing anybody can do. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to get the fuck out of town. And oh, before I left, I reached in the toilet and I grabbed that. And I know it's nasty, but I grabbed a lot of that shit and I put it in. I dumped all my toiletries out of a uh, plastic Ziploc bag they were in and I put it in there. So guess what, motherfuckers? I got your shit, right? And uh, But it was like even half the size of what it was. Some of it obviously gone down the hole because it was heavy and sank. But that's the photo that you see in that white box. I put it in a plastic bag later on. I put it in the white food box first. That's when I took that photo that night. And if you look at that photograph, you can see the depth from the shadow, how tall that is, because the photograph really doesn't do it justice. I am fucking livid. I get all my shit and, you know, I'm having to move in the middle of the night and, you know, wife's sick with worry and, and whatever. The, uh, she's called my friends. My friends will come down and help. And, and but I told her, don't call my brother in, in Wisconsin because he'd have been there. Whatever. You know, I just need to get the fuck out of Dodge. So I go get in my truck, four fucking units. And I said out loud, I said, how many motherfuckers y'all got on duty? How many motherfuckers you got on duty in this city? If you got four of you, can be sitting right there blocking the fucking entrance. I know they heard me, right? And and it was like amusement for them because all the shit that lifers gave APD and and the powers that be or whatever. Like when we did the protest march, and I had y'all all call in and burn up Philip Terrell's line and APD and KLB and all that. The I mean, little payback, right? I don't think. APD broke into my motherfucking room. I think it was somebody else that uh, they damn sure were getting some enjoyment out of it. And they knew who it was who called in. They knew who it was had a soft or baseball size dick hair in their fucking bed. And I'm sure they got some enjoyment out of it. You know what? Young, go fuck yourselves. If you got enjoyment out of it, go fuck yourselves. If you're not a good cop, go fuck yourselves. And so I leave and I do like fucking loop to loops and shit, making sure nobody's following me. I pass up the interstate like three times and I went back roads or whatever. And I leave and I go to an undisclosed location, another hotel. Now I check in. Uh, I'm fucking, I'm exhausted. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm pissed off. And I had to be in court in the morning. But guess what they didn't do? You can leave all the dickheads and uh, d- dickheads, dick hairs in my bed or your brain cells is Leah or fans said that's a whole lot of their brain cells that that, uh that they left but you could do that but you're never gonna fucking stop me and guess what bitches you didn't stop me i went back to court the next day and the next day and the next day and when the weekend came and court was adjourned for the weekend you know i did i stayed locked in my motherfucking hotel room which is a distance outside of town i stayed locked in my hotel room oh Move back up. My attorney, the next morning, he's like, fuck that, man. I, you know, we're going to take care of this shit, da 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 da. And, you know, so we swap vehicles, hotel room under a different name, the whole nine yards protection, right? Um, 
everything was done, I knew I was being said, now I'm no longer in complacency mode. Now I'm in war mode. And so I knew what to do, right? If, and God bless all the police officers who have died and been murdered in the line of duty in that wall in Washington, D.C. they have for them. I never wanted my name on that wall. I never want to get, I'm not saying they got caught slipping, but I never, me personally, want to get caught slipping and get killed by some fucking asshole. Uh, uh, so I wasn't going to let it happen. So I'm, I'm locked in the room. I recorded all weekend, another four trips of shit to a hotel room. I recorded uh, on this series all weekend on, the, on Courtney's trial. I ordered DoorDash every day. I didn't fucking leave the room. And 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 I promised my wife that I wouldn't, and and Shane and the rest of them that I wouldn't, uh, and I didn't. But guess what? I got your fucking pubic hairs, and we filed suit. And for the camera footage that's on that second floor, uh, I'm pretty sure if they're smart enough to do whatever, they probably erase the camera footage. But guess what? That if or what's already been done, we subpoenaed that footage for that day, and you magically can't come up with it, that's called exfoliation, assholes. It's just, it's probably better than me having the footage. But either way, you're fucked. And, and don't ever stay at this fucking hotel. Reasons why, they gave out my name. That was a, I should have fucking left then. And they gave out my name the days before, and then they left this massive water. Shit my bed. Shots fired, right? More, one of a thousand. It was my battle that's to get justice for Courtney Coco that I never told anybody about. Fuck them. Monday comes, go to court. They end up doing closing arguments, send it out to the jury. Now it's evening time, y'all. It's late. And I'll never forget it. It was like an hour and a half. And I'm like, I'm thinking this is going to take forever. And it's like an hour and a half. Um, and they call us back in. They say, everybody get in the courtroom. Everybody get in the courtroom. I was actually sitting around the corner from everybody on, on a bench by myself. And I heard him say, find Woody, find Woody. I'm like, no. And I walked around the corner. So I'm right here. I was doing social media. And as we go to walk in, we're in this like antechamber in between courtrooms. You know, there's courtroom on the left side courtroom on the right but there's a big fucking window to the right and y'all it was almost dark and the sky was pink bright pink and I'll never forget it and somebody told Stephanie look out at the sky it's pink it's Courtney's favorite color y'all that's why we wore pink four and everything. And me still, I'm thinking, mm, jury's going to come back to grass some questions. There's no way they got a verdict this quick. We get in the courtroom, all seated. They bring the jury back in. I'm thinking the bailiff's got something in his hand. I'm thinking it's a question, right? It happens all the time in murder trials. They ask a question, judge answers, and sends them back. But the judge says, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I understand you have a verdict. I'm like, holy shit, here we go. And I'm holding Stephanie's hand. She's sitting to my left. I'm sitting on the end of the bench at the right, and everybody starts bending over, crying. I look across at David Anthony Burns. I'm watching, and they give the paper to the clerk. I said, Madam Clerk, will you read the decision? He said, we, the jury, define David. Define, we, the jury, find David Anthony Burns guilty. Second-degree murder of Courtney Coco. Oh, my God. I'm watching Burns, and he— 
just like somebody punched him in the stomach. He bent over and he's shaking his head and and whatever. Uh, um, his corner's crying. I'm, I'm I'm about to fucking cry myself, right? Mister Bobby leans across, and Mister Bobby's an old school tough dude, right? He leans across. He said he was telling Stephanie, not me, but. He said, don't let that boy get any more of your tears. Fuck him. He's a murderer. Don't let him see get let him see get any more of your tears. And y'all, uh, so I, I tied myself up, right? And and we go down. Uh, um oh, let me back it up. The they poll the jury and do all that bullshit. They excuse the jury, and then the judge sets the sentencing date. And she goes and she said, Let's do November the twentieth. And Burn just kind of sags again. And then uh, Stephanie looks at me. She says, that's his birthday. David Anthony Burns' his birthday. And LaCour's like, he's all kicked back. Your Honor, I've been sucker punched and this whole thing. Da, 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 this, it's all, you know, it's crazy. Uh, da, and yeah, LaCour, it's fucking crazy, right? You're not wrong. And your client didn't just fucking get convicted for second-degree murder of Courtney Coco. Everybody in the world got it wrong. A jury of his peer Got it wrong, right? But you didn't, LaCour. You right, huh? Fuck you. And David Anthony Burns, fuck you. And you're going to die in Angola. He said, Your Honor, that's my client's birthday. Can we pick another day? I'm like, mm, really doesn't fucking matter, does it? But yeah, the judge backed it up to November 28th. So let me tell you this. The couple things. The war, I'll always have my haters, and I don't give a fuck. All right. So you haters that are listening to this and want to spread the word, then guess what? November 28th, 9.30 a.m., I'll be back in the courtroom in Rapides Parish. You want to come do something to me? That's where I'm going to be. Okay? Go fuck yourselves. To me, war is never totally over. I'll never be safe in Rapides, and I don't give a fuck. But David Anthony Burns is going to die in Angola. The sentencing is a formality. And, and uh, Courtney's family, Stephanie and all, whoever wants to give a statement gets to give up and give a statement while David Anthony Burns is a piece of shit. And they, they're going to tell him what they actually think about him. And then they'll, I'm sure some of his people get to you know, stand up and tell a judge why he should get leniency and they'll blame it on me, whatever the fuck. Um, but second-degree murder second-degree murder. And life means life in Louisiana. There is no leeway in sentencing. He is going to Angola for life with no possibility of probation and parole. He is going to die in Angola. An old man. Fuck you, Burns. Courtney deserved that justice. And y'all, it came 18 years in almost a month to the day. I'm going to tell you why I know this talked to Stephanie the next day and it was all saints day. So he got convicted or yeah, he got found guilty on Halloween. Uh, uh, as that pink, it was, it was almost just too wild to imagine that pink sky was there. Cause it was almost dark, but the pink was there. Like Courtney was with us and he's going to get a sentence period. He's done stick a fork in him. But the next day Stephanie called me, and she said, I just left Courtney's grave. And she said, it was 18 years ago to this day on All Saints Day that I laid on top of her grave 
and 18, yeah, it was the same day. It's eight, now this is almost freaky, 18 years ago to the day that I laid on top of her grave and I promised her, baby, your mama's going to get justice for you. And she said it was 18 years to the day. And she said, today, I went and bought her a bunch of pink roses and I brought them to her and I put them, that was her favorite and her favorite color. And she said, I brought them to her and I put them on the grave and I told her, Baby, mama got you justice. And you did, Stephanie. You and the family um, are just absolute heroes. You know, had a better police file on the case than anybody else. That's what I use. And, and they're heroes for never giving up. You lifers and convicts, I'm mean, convicts and Patreon members, y'all heroes. All, all lifers that participated and backed across the world of heroes. But y'all, I'm telling you, I couldn't have done it without your financial support. And I wanted to tell this war issue. Um, I think it's important. And guess what? If you ever find me dead or they find me dead in Alexandria uh, in my hotel room and they there's a suicide note, call a fucking real homicide detective because I didn't do it. But joke's on them. You put all the pubic hairs in the bed. You can shoot the window out of my truck. You can make all your fucking threats and Photoshop you this motherfucker. You're going to die in Angola for murdering Courtney Coco, and you got away with it for way too long. All your bullshit you did, it didn't stop me. And guess what? I promised Stephanie I'd be there every time, and I have been, and I'm going to continue to do so. And I'll be there when he gets sentenced. Couldn't have done it without you people. And I'm sorry this episode's been so long in coming. And I'm sorry I got erased the other night. But I love y'all and I appreciate you. You don't never know what your support means and um, how it helps out the show. And you're going to get more episodes, I promise, bonus episodes, et cetera. And I'll put, I'll put up the videos uh, um, of the hotel room and the cops outside and, and whatever. And I fuck it, I'm going to put up the lawsuit when, when I sign it. And I'll put up the lawsuit. You can read everything in it. And, but I appreciate y'all. Thank you, Patreon and Convex, for subscribing and making this show go. This episode's for you. And I'm Woody Overton. You host a real life, real crime, the podcast. I know David Anthony Burns wishes I hadn't got his ass down on murder by you. Peace. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will want one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door.